I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, I don't know what to say. It's been a it's been a grind. Uh, we're almost at the end of April. We're heading into May. The playoffs are coming soon. Are you feeling like beaten down, optimistic, a bit of both, tired, happy? How do you feel? Yeah, I got two kids, man. <laughs> two little kids who aren't in school and daycare, so it's. I think everyone's grinding through right now. So, you know, month, what are we, month 14 of of, of the pandemic? I, I, it, it's certainly a year no one will forget, Jonas. Let's, let's put it that way. That is absolutely for sure. Um, we do have a lot to talk about. Like, there is a lot going on, obviously, with the Leafs. It's like there never isn't anything going on. Oh, uh, I, thought, I thought we were going to talk about the Oscars. Do you want to talk about it? Did you watch them? <laughs> I have plenty of thoughts. <laughs> I, the only movie I've seen is Soul. So. Soul is great. You mean Sal. Sal. Yeah, and plus uh, Trent Reznor got another Oscar, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, quite the career t- transition for him. I was telling uh, my girl, obviously, about him and that he was in Nine Inch Nails, and she was like, like what? He is Nine Inch Nails. Right. Nine, Nine Inch Nails, that's, he, he, he plays every instrument and everything. It's just like, it's hard to imagine that the guy who did Head Like a Hole is now that. Like, he's just, he's doing soundtracks for movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's extremely talented. So, I was actually surprised I was I was reading about Trent Reznor, who obviously I know really well is one of my, my favorite artists. Um, you know, I've, I've seen him live a bunch of times. And, you know, he's 55 now. He's I think he's got five kids. And he, he's his whole life is just, you know, he was he was an addict and he had all kinds of Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, he he had a really really hard time after you know he got really famous and everything, and he kind of didn't produce anything and was kind of off the radar for a long time. So to see him come back and and do what he's doing and his family and everything, it's it's pretty cool to see. So does does he still make Nine Inch Nails records? Like when was the last one? Oh man, you're testing me. Yes, he does. Yes, yes, he does. I want to say it was three years ago. Our producer would know. He's probably listening and screaming. In the <laughs> but yes, yes, he's still making music. I mean, you're gonna it's just I'm like not, when you... 
going to have to look this up, Jonas, because I, I feel like such a bad fan that I don't know this. It just shows well, like how, how out of it I've been the last couple of years. It, it's way back, but like you watch the social network and like that, it just sounds like if you didn't know anything about who did the music, you'd be like, is that like someone to do with Nine Inch Nails? Like, is that Trent Reznor? And obviously it was. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Nine Inch Nails. Um, I want to talk about John Tavares really taking off. We'll get to that in a bit. We need to talk about Zach Bogosian being out until probably like sometime in the first round. Rasmus Sandin's emergence um, as a result in part for that. Uh, Frederick Anderson getting back into practice. Jack Campbell kind of finding his way a little bit. Nick Foligno debuting. But I think we should start with just what seems like a shift. And, and this has been going on all year. Uh, but in the type of team that we're seeing, um, I don't know if you like the word gritty. I don't know, I don't know what you want to describe it. But it, it came up, obviously, quite a bit in the two-game set with Winnipeg. What are your impressions of like the, the way this team has changed, I guess, intangible-wise? And, and maybe not even in, with the intangibles, just defensively they're different. Locking down leads, they're different. Um, what sticks out to you about that? You know what? Honestly, the number one thing I was thinking, Jonas, watching those, like, they're just fun to watch. Like, they're entertaining. And, like, you know, now they've got the offensive piece, but they're kind of they're, – they're just, like, battling a lot more than – they're just a more um, multifaceted team, I think I would say. Good word, been, yeah. Than, than they have been the last couple of years. They just – they have some different elements. And, you know, as someone, you know, who's a neutral observer, who's just watching a lot of Leafs games for work and all, and, you know, has done that, um, they're just, they're more entertaining to watch. Like, the games are better to watch. It's not, and, and it's really interesting because, you know, there's been so much conversation the last few years about going all in on skill and having, you know, remember, remember like two, three years ago, we talked about how, have a fourth line that's all skill, like Nick Patan and guys like that, and you know, to where you are now. I mean, I, I think the ideal world, and it probably doesn't get talked about enough, but in the ideal world, you want players that are have good analytics, but they're also gritty and they're hard on the puck. And they're, you know, there's, you bring all of those, like someone like Jake Muzzin's a good, perfect example of that. Yeah. And the, the whole team is starting to get more Jake Muzzin-y. And, and one of the entertaining things too, though, is that it's players that, you know, like Austin Matthews has been so much more physical this year. Like Joe Thornton is, I don't know what's gotten into Joe Thornton the last couple of weeks, but you know, it's, it's almost like he's realized that he needs to be a different player than, yeah than he was in the past. And he's just decided to do that. I mean, he's a, he's a big, strong guy. Even, uh, I was watching the game with my son who's, who just turned six and, uh, you know, Joe Thornton's out there chugging around. I was like, yeah, that, uh, that guy's older than daddy and uh, and he's, he's – my son wants to know how, how big everyone is, how tall they are, how much they weigh. Like he's, he's interested in – he wants to know who the biggest player is and all this kind of, he, he asks if anyone's seven and a half feet tall. I said, no, no, no one's, no one's that big. But anyway. Charlie's so getting close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, basically I said, uh, you know, Joe Thorne's the oldest guy out there on the ice. He's one of the biggest guys on the ice. And he's watching him. He's like, oh, wow. That's like this guy's, this guy's, you know, hitting people and elbows and all kinds of stuff. It's um, it's pretty remarkable what what Joe Thornton's doing. And 
I got to say, as someone, you know, who just who loves hockey and loves the NHL and who's watched Joe Thornton play since, what, 1998? I mean, I, I think I was in high school when he made the NHL. 97, I think. Like, that is... Uh, he's been, I've been watching him since well before I was in the media. I mean, I just it's hard not to be a fan of Joe Thornton. It's hard not to just want him to succeed. And when there was that long period there where he wasn't producing any offense, and it's like, oh boy, it's like, are we like, are we just watching the end here again, like we did with Marlowe? Like, is this just? It, it's not fun watching guys play beyond their uh, their utility, their utility, like their usefulness. Like it's 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 hard to watch. Um, so to see him starting to contribute and, and score the beautiful wraparound goal, and you know that's um, that's that's good to see. Well, we should touch on him in, in more detail, and, and we can now if you want. But it seemed like he must have realized, like I'm not the same player. Like I'm not going to be able to. I'm not contributing offensively. Like so, what am I doing out there? And that's kind of the way it looked. Like it looked like you'd watch his his shifts and, and nothing was happening. And in fact, like they were getting scored on quite a bit. And like you're saying, he's 6'4", 220. Like he's a monster. He's really big. And it was like all of a sudden he started like intentionally being physical. But to like bring it back to the competitiveness, it's almost like having guys like him and Simmons and like Bogosian, Felino now, it's almost like it's rubbing off on the other guys, which – I'm sure, and and I think Kyle Dubas and and Brendan Shanahan spoke about this, was the intention of bringing those guys in. But, like, you mentioned Matthews. Like, you're seeing him, like, do things that he wouldn't normally do, like getting in the face of Andrew Kopp at one point. And, like, even, like, that William Nylander defensive play to to break up a two-on-one and then set up a goal. Like, those are the kind of plays you need to see in the playoffs, and those are the kind of plays you didn't always see from them last year. And like James, I was trying to think in writing the, the story for Monday. Have there been any games this year where you walked away and you thought, "Man, they just didn't compete. Like they were not in it." And I, there I don't know some. that there. Yeah, have there I, been? Yeah, I mean they've had they've definitely had some some lulls. But but you know what though? I mean, like a lot of games they've lost has been the other goalie's been amazing, or um, their, their goalie been te- has not. Their, their goalie's been terrible, or. You know what I was going to say? You remember that I can't, who who had the quote about Nazem Kadri that said he drags you into the fight? Was that Dallas Aikens, I think? It, it might have been. Yeah. That, that one always stands yeah, in my mind. Yeah, that was from my oral history. Yeah, that, that years. always stands into my mind as, as yeah. you know, when people talked about Nazem Kadri, the thing they liked about him is he drags the team into the fight. And, like, you know, the Marlies would be sitting there in a game and. They didn't have anything and they're down. And then all of a sudden, like, there's this, all this shit starts happening on the ice. And, you know, you, all of a sudden, it, I don't know. It just, that's it's a really that's good the, point, James. Th- that's the way this, this team, I mean, I, I don't want to go too overboard with this. Like, some people, the Winnipeg was saying that the Leafs are dirty and a bunch of shit. Like, the Leafs aren't, aren't taking a lot of penalties still. Like, they're, and they're, they don't hit that much any still. Like, they're not. Like, this is not, like, the Broad Street Bullies or something. <laughs> Some people were saying Bay Street Bullies. and Like, the Leafs are still not that physical of a team. But they're adding – they're, like, rounding the corners a little bit by adding another element to their game. And if you can do that while you're scoring goals and while you're getting saves and while you're playing good defensively, it's – that's what you want. So, Well, but to your point, like, it was almost like after Kadri and for a while there, they kind of lacked that guy or lacked – 
those people. And I remember writing and, and you and I talking about it, looking at their lineup, they just felt very much the same. Like it was a lot of the same kind of players. Like it was a lot of Kapanen's and like Kapanen's a little bit different, but like you had Janssen, who's kind of like Nylander, who's kind of like Kerfoot. Like they're all kind of like similar. And it was almost like in the off season, they, they realized like we can't be that. And it was almost like the Lou Lamorello thing. Like you need to have, I think Chris mentioned this the a couple of weeks ago or last week or whatever, that you need to have like different the tuba player. Yeah. And like as much as like you can get on Lou Lamorello for a lot of things, he wasn't wrong about that. Like that, that is something. So yeah. Hockey's Actually, here's the quote, James. I found the quote from Dallas Higgins. He said, if we were struggling, he was the first one to leave position to look for a big hit. Every fucking night he was in a verbal war with the other team. He would often drag us into the fight. He would drag our team into the fight on the nights when we didn't have it going. And I will never forget that about him. Yeah. And I think that that's, to me, that's what Joe Thornton is doing right now. That That's, that's. I, I wonder if there was a conversation or maybe he just looked at what he was doing wasn't effective or maybe physically he wasn't feeling great earlier and now he is, or I don't know what it is, but... I mean, if you're Joe Thornton and you're sitting there and you're like, am I like, it's almost like, remember, you know, that game against Columbus where the Leafs are down and Spezza has the fight and everyone's like, what the, what the yeah. hell? Like, why, why has Spezza fight? Who was the guy he fought? It was some like. Dean six, Kukin. Yeah. Some Swiss guy who probably had never fought like, uh, you know, a younger guy and everyone's like, okay, what the hell? And the Leafs are down. Why? Like two nothing or something at that point? One nothing at that point? They had, they had nothing going and. I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to overstate. I don't want to do like the sports radio cliche thing where you like overstate like the, oh, now they're gritty, so they're going to win. I mean, like we've been saying all year and even, you know, the past couple of years, the Leafs are a good team. Like they have a lot of skill elements and that's still what's going to predominantly win them games. But, you know, if you have players who uh, who, who aren't Austin Matthews, and I mean, it's good to have Austin Matthews play that way too. But if you have players who can't score at will – you need them doing some other things and you need them being effective in other ways. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been why, um, I mean, look at, look at someone like Brody, like Brody's not going to be out there getting in fights and stuff, but he's also never backs down from a play. No, he's always like to to kind of round it out. Like it's harder to imagine this group having what happened in what was it? Game three against Columbus where you get up three, nothing. And then like, it's just harder to see, that happening to this particular group. That's not to say it can't happen. It just doesn't feel the same. And like, even when they have leads, it feels different than it did last year. Like it, it doesn't feel like they're going to let it slip. Like when they get up three, one, like it just kind of feels like the game is over, which is what a good team should do. And that's kind of what we hadn't seen from them in past years. And what you see out of teams like Tampa and Boston. So it's going to be the grit and leadership podcast. Oh my god! All right. Well, it's James, perfect segue well, because he is all about grit and leadership. Nick Foligno, what have you made of his first couple games? What are your earliest impressions? He looks fine. I mean, I, I think that you know the one thing that the advantage with him is that he can play with really good players, and yeah, he's not going to look completely lost. Like I, I don't think he's got the skill. Like in an ideal world, you don't want him playing big minutes with your best players all the time. But if someone's, if you've got injuries and, and you need him to, I think he's been fine. Well, there was one of the games where didn't, weren't fully, I like, I think Felino's numbers are really, really good. Aren't they like his, his underlying numbers. There was one game where I looked and he was at like 
ninety percent expected goals or whatever. And yeah, it was. I think it was the second game. I mean, he's playing with Matthews and Marner, he, and he didn't play that much. To be fair, but like, I think what you're talking about is why. To go back to like the conversation we had with Taylor Hall is like they kind of liked that he could fit in a lot of different places. Like he makes sense playing with Matthews and Marner. He makes sense playing with Neil Tavares. He makes sense on a defensive line. Like he he can do a lot of different things. Like he like you say he's not especially skilled. He's not especially fast, but he brings like he's a tuba player. Like you need you need some tuba players. You need some some trombones. Like that's, that's I imagine a- you played. What did you play in high school or elementary school? Uh, I wasn't in really in the band. I, I played guitar. I, so I started playing guitar oh, right. in high school, and that's what I still play. And well, you need a guitar player. So like guitar and bass guitar, and yeah. But no, I really I, do think James, though, like he's going to make a different. What did you play? No, in elementary school, you had you had mu- we had music class. Like you had to be. Yeah, so did we. But everyone just had like a recorder that they got from Walmart for four bucks. Like it, you know, it wasn't like we didn't have. You didn't recorder. have to. Really. Yeah, we didn't have like. Fancy instruments, like whatever was going on at your elementary yeah, school. Yeah, fancy, fancy. Oh, my God. You should have seen these things. No, like you had to – I think we did performances. Like it was part of like the curriculum. Like you had music class and I played the tuba, which was not fun. <laughs> and I was not good. Not well, you're good not the you're not the right build to play the tuba. I agree, but I had no <laughs> say in the matter. They just like they assigned you a tuba. <laughs> so you were I, the tuba player. You know, yeah. when I play in a band, I, I – I'm 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 usually like bass wait guitar, no it wasn't the tuba James it was the baritone which is like oh, okay. the mini but tuba isn't the baritone isn't that a, a kind of a saxophone I don't think so I thought the baritone man I hope I'm not I always wished I was in the band you know I was such a, a nerd that I wanted to take all the academic classes and I never had any room on my like band was actually like a class you could take and I never had any room for electives because I was taking honors physics and stuff all the time. But I was jealous of my friends that were in the band because it looked like a lot of fun. It was not. Um, <laughs> in high school? I, oh, I wasn't in high school. It was elementary school. I was done with it. Like, I'm not, not for me. Not into it. You like music, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, playing, there's nothing better than playing in a band. Eh, never appealed to me. I guess if I'm you not could, talented like if, that. Like, if you had, like, a... Uh, a magic genie came down and gave you a one wish for like any job you could do in the world. You could like do anything. Like what would it be? Anything. You could be like president. You could like whatever. You could do whatever you want. You could. I like you, this job. I don't you, know. I don't no, know. Come on. You could. You could. You could be. You could be like Tom Brady. You could do anything. Like anything. Like it doesn't matter what it is. I have to think about that. That's a tough question. I'm pretty sure you're not going to sit pick sitting on a podcast with with Myrtle at ten. Of the no, morning. I might. I might. Come on, you, this is insane. I think we have to I end like this the show. Life. We're going to end the show right now if you pick that as you're going to so pick what, that so over you being you like, be, you're going to pick that over being like an NFL quarterback or like I don't know. So I can have concussions? I don't it doesn't seem as appealing. I guess you would make a lot of money and you would <laughs> if that's important to you, that's not uh, <laughs> I guess you want to be Trent Reznor is what you're, you're getting at. Oh, man, who why not? That'd be amazing. Eh. Anyway, you'd rather um, you'd rather be doing this. Well, I'm flattered. I'm flattered that you'd rather be sitting here than playing in a stadium full of sixty thousand people and making your art and winning Academy Awards. You, you know what? I think you're right. I think this is better. Me talking, <laughs> me talking about Nick Foligno's expected goals <laughs> percentage 
which, by the way, is 61.5% in his two games as a Maple Leaf. Fire. Fire. He, I only just, hit, I, he only has four offensive zone starts at even strength so far, Jonas. Well, I do like the concept, though. Like, I did feel like they needed more, and we talked about this in the offseason, so it's not like revisionist history, but they needed, like, more guys that you could put out there to defend a lead and, like, you would feel safe with. And, like, you can even see it on the penalty kill. Like, Felino. Granted, it's it's because Zach Hyman is out, but he's going to be one of their primary penalty killers. And, like, you can just see, like, he knows where to be. He's in the right spots. He's got, like, his head on a swivel. He's got a good stick. He's physical. Like, he's going to help them in a lot of those situations where they lacked people like that last year. Um, like, you, you think of, like, who was in their lineup um, or who they would have been able to turn to in situations like that before. And it's just, like, I'm, like, I'm looking at their lineup from last year. It's, like, their top nine forwards, it's, like, Hyman, Matthews, Marner, check. And then where do you go? It's like Tavares, oh, sure. Mikheyev? Mm-hmm. Kerfoot? Kapanen? Engvall? Like, it's like you kind of need more guys like that in situations where it gets a little tense, and now they have more. So we'll see if that matters. Like, we'll see if they they wouldn't have needed or would have will need, like, the extra boost that a Taylor Hall or someone like that could have brought them. But I, I, you can see how Felino helps for sure. Yeah. Wait till Riley Nash gets here. Your boy. And Bogosian's healthy. And yeah, Riley Nash. The intangibles team. Team team Kamloops, man. I think you, you need a bunch more Kamloops guys. There's a lot of lunch pail, lunch pail crew there coming from there. That's for man, sure. Jams, I, I was looking at like the all-time stats leaders. It's insane how high Mark Recchi is. It's crazy. You know, okay, you're going to let me this is you're going to open the door here for me to talk about Mark Recchi. So you look at look at like Patrick Marlowe, look at look at Patrick Marlowe's numbers this year. What does he have like What is what does Patrick Marlowe have? Like he he's got like 7 points or something. Something yeah. ridiculous. Look at look at the look at the struggles Thornton's having. Like what are Thornton's counting numbers this year? Mark Recchi his last season he's 42 years old. Didn't he have I, I think he had he had some crazy he played over 16 minutes a game. He won a Stanley Cup. He had really – he was in the top six. He was very productive in the regular season and the playoffs. Like, he never had one of these years where he had seven points in 50 games or whatever like that. Like, you know, I'm biased because, you know, I watched Mark Recchi when I was a kid and he's a – you know, they, they named the street downtown after him in my hometown. But, like, he's a, he's a good person and he was a great player and he doesn't get respect. People always called him a compiler, but it's like if you can compile – 50 points when you're 42 years old. I mean, you're one of like, that's almost never happened. Yeah. Like if you had told me that he had more points in, in actually fewer games than Joe Thornton, I would not have believed it, but he does. Well, he had some monster. He played with Mario Lemieux when he first came into the league. Like he, I know, but like the other thing that's crazy still. is that Recky was drafted when he was 20. Like he, he was really, he had to play a full year in the minors you know, he he was kind of because he was so small. He's lifted. He's listed at five ten, but he's he's like he's like he's five, like a fire hydrant. He's like dude. five eight. Yeah, he's like five eight two hundred yeah. or something. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, that is that is like a complete aside. But I was just it's 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 hard to be. He he had forty eight points his last year. He played eighty one games, and then he had fourteen points in the playoffs. Like it it is really really hard to be productive in the NHL when you're forty one forty two years old. Yeah, we're seeing that. It's it's not easy. Like it's a, especially now. Like it's so much faster. Um, 
I, w- I do want to talk about the goaltending, and we need to get into Sandine, Tavares. All right. It is time for the quote of the week. And this week, we turn to Frederick Anderson. You think it's my fault? Is that what you're saying? saying you're, is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Uh, it was just okay. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that. <laughs> so you guys can package that someplace, okay? <laughs> And he was talking about his injury. It's actually the first time he's talked since he stopped playing. Uh, and he was asked, you know, why he decided to, to go that route. I've reached a point where I just couldn't uh, kind of feel feel confident in the net and, and pushing and, and stopping as hard as I needed to to, to be aggressive. And, and I think just it, it showed uh, um, it was really hard to, uh, to say stop. And, and as a, I think as a player and as a competitor, you don't want to admit or, or kind of say stop yourself and I think that was uh it was maybe going on for a little bit too long and I think uh like I said before I was just happy that it, that I caught it before and and it, it didn't get any worse so I think that's I think it's been interesting this whole situation how they've handled it um clearly they wanted him to feel like he was physically right before he started to play it's very unclear if he's going to be able to come back and play you wrote very well about the the murkiness with this situation what expectations do you have of Anderson right now, if any? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, normally in this situation, Jonas, you're someone who's watched kind of guys return from injury hundreds of times. Normally when a guy is practicing full practice yesterday, full practice, I think. I believe so, yeah. Normally when they have a full practice, they're pretty close to coming back, right? Like normally it's only like another, it's days or a week, right? Like it's not... So, in theory, Frederick Anderson should be back on the roster and playing games relatively soon, right? Like in in normal circumstance. Is that what's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I think the door has been opened, all the cap stuff. I think the door has been opened where, you know, Bogosian's going to miss the rest of the season. So, there's one player that's off your cap. And while he doesn't make a lot of money, it, it matters because they had so many players that they couldn't demote or, you know, it was... They um they have some more flexibility, and if if Zach Hyman, if they feel like he's not going to be back and, until the playoffs, then uh, there's another element of uh, that they didn't know about that may allow them to bring Frederick Anderson back. But I don't I don't know what I I think what I would do, you know, irrespective of all, let's say they can work out the cap situation without doing anything drastic to their roster. I would like to see Frederick Anderson play two or three games before the playoffs. Because I would oh, yeah. like to, ha- I would like to have him as an option. You know, I, I think that I've seen I've seen Big Save Dave three times now, and and I don't have a lot of confidence in him. And uh, it kind of feels like they lit that third round pick on fire a little bit because, you know, I, I, you had to. I'm sorry, like that. I'm I, I can't. But maybe go he wasn't. There. But maybe he wasn't the guy though. You Who know, was like maybe? I guess JB. Yeah, but that's like cap. Well, the cap would have been tougher. I guess he's not. He's three million and. No, Riddick's two point seven. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, Bernier would have been. I mean, that was one of the guys that was pretty high on our list, right? And then he went and yeah. he had like a fifty save game there the other night. Um, yeah, against, JB. Uh, who was playing Dallas? I think he did that. Um, yeah. You know, right now my hierarchy for for goalies, like let's say the playoffs started tomorrow, I would be starting Campbell one hundred percent, and then uh, Anderson, assuming he can play a couple of games and and not look terrible. Um, 
then I, I think Anderson would be my number two. No doubt. I, I mean, you, it's, it's like you said, you just need options better than Riddick. And like Anderson is better than Riddick, obviously, when he – I guess like the, the, the thing is like you don't know who you're getting. Like you don't know if you're getting the Frederick Anderson of the first few seasons or if you're getting the Anderson like just before the pause last year was playing really well. Then he comes back. He Like the numbers in the playoffs look good, but those moments like – you just don't know. And like, that's what's got to be nerve wracking for them with the goaltending is like, even Jack Campbell plays well in Winnipeg, but like, he's still clearly figuring out how to do this, like how to, to be the guy in the NHL playing like every other night and, and managing the mental challenges that, that come with the job and the physical challenges that come with the job. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a good sign for them that, that he's, he's feeling good. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we get into the playoffs and he's back as the number one. Would you? I think if Campbell's playing the way he is right now, I think you could, you start Campbell. You know, I just think that when when Campbell's playing well, he's been their best goaltender this year. And frankly, he's been their best goaltender the last couple of years. So He played like six games last year. Camp, Camp, Campbell's Campbell's my guy. Unless Anderson comes in and is unbelievable and Campbell struggles. That's the only way that Campbell's not my guy right now. All right. Freddie, I've seen what you can do, bud. I've seen I I I've seen I've seen what Anderson can do. So I I'm, think you're I'm, underselling a little bit like Anderson's he's done like he's been he's done what Jack Campbell has never done. A he started in the playoffs, I, yeah, but, which is not Jack Campbell's. I don't fault. care though. I mean Anderson's like lost in the playoffs a lot of times, which Jack Campbell's never done. Like Agreed. Yeah, Campbell's fair. been their better goalie. He, his record, yes. he's 13-2-1 right now. Yes. All right. Anderson's hasn't hardly hasn't played in months. Like, if Anderson comes back and looks unbelievable, then all of a sudden there's a debate. Right now there's no debate. Yeah. There's no okay. debate. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we also have to see, like... What Jack, how Jack Campbell performs down the stretch. Like that's, there's yeah. not a lot of games left. Like we're recording this on Monday morning. No, Tuesday morning. And there are eight <laughs> games, there are eight games left. Like there's not I much have, time. I have to look at the calendar to see what the date is. Like I didn't, you know, I was, I was looking at a muffin downstairs and it said they expired April 26th. And I'm like, is, is that, is it April 26th? I, I don't know. Is this muffin that's expired? Yesterday. It's I expired. I think I'm, I think I'm still going to eat it though. So. How, how do you feel about expiration dates? Are you firm or like? It depends. You, you like if it's, if it's a muffin, then it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, like, does it look stale? Does it taste stale? Does it, you know, like? What's your stance on like milk and yogurt? No, uh, well, I mean, you can do smell test, but you know, I got I got a pretty good sense of smell. So <laughs> my wife gets me to smell everything in the fridge. <laughs> nice. That's a great job. <laughs> All right, you mentioned uh, Zach Bogosian. He's going to miss, I guess, another three weeks. He won't be back uh, until at some point in the playoffs. So is he going to miss like the first few games in the first round? Is he, is that Based on the timeline that they've given, it looks that was that minimum way. though, too, right? Like that's that was minimum, a, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is where it gets tricky. Like you mentioned, the Zach Hyman, like maybe putting him on LTI. You've already got Riley Nash in that situation. We've seen in the past with this team, it's it's really hard to just come back miss a bunch of time and then come back either just before the playoffs or for the playoffs. Um, I think you want as few of those guys as you can. Obviously this is going to be one of those situations in all likelihood. 
Um, I guess we can start with Bogosian. Like that, that does feel like a loss. Like as much as like, I guess this is the intangibles podcast, the intangible report. Um, he played well. Like he did exactly like if, if you had asked him, what do you want Zach Bogosian to be this year? It would be this, right? Yeah. I, I would say that he's exceeded expectations this year. I mean, you, you know, you're paying him pretty close to a league minimum deal. So he's on the third pair. I, I think he's been, he's been real solid. You know, I, I think that if he wants to come back again at the same salary, I bring him back again. Don't you? Yeah, for sure. He's not that old. You no, know, and, he's thirty. He's got a little bit of ability. Like it's not some some people. You know, when he when they signed him, talked about him like he's a Polak part Polak. two. But he, no, he's not. That's not that's not what Bogosian is. He's a little bit more skilled than Polak, and he's. he's I just a, think a little bit smarter. I would say. Yeah, I, I I just think he is a loss. Like because like they they really got him as much for the regular season, the competitiveness, all that stuff is like for the playoffs when it kind of gets really heavy. I love that word. Um, so like they don't have that now and now you're playing Travis Terman on the right, but like obviously the side effect of this is, is Rasmus Sandin gets to play and he looks great. It's, it's nuts how well he's played given the way the last year has gone for him. No. So I know you're working on a story about Sandin and I don't, just give us like you got to give us some spoilers for the all the amazing research that you've got in this in in your story. But do you think that um, do you think that the fact that uh, everyone's making a lot of the fact he's barely played, which is true, that's amazing. Do you, do you just because of his age and his growth curve, and do you think that all the work he's done with the skill development team and the strength training and all that? Do you think that's part of what we're seeing right now? Is just like the maturation that he's had while not playing games. I mean, it's it's hard to discount that. I kind of think it's more. He's like he's twenty one now. He's he's he. You can see he's stronger. Um, yeah, but that's what I'm talking about, though. Like, the, so the Leafs. It, uh, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. The Leafs decided that he wasn't going to play in Sweden because they wanted him to work with like the strength team and they wanted him to work with like the skill development team and they wanted him to really put in some time. That extra. That was time, part of it. That was part of it. He could have been over in the the. Elite Syrian, as they used to call it, the Swedish Elite League, and uh, he could have been playing a whole bunch of games for I can't remember which team he was with. Um, he could he could have been playing a, a lot over there, and you know, scoring goals and playing with men and et cetera, et cetera. Or he could go work with Daryl Belfry and the skating coaches and talk to Nick Antropov, or you know, like you know, work with the development staff and. Uh, the thing I heard is that they wanted him to work on his strength a lot, and um, that 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 seems evident when he's taken down Blake Wheeler, who's who's a big man. Yeah, and like I mean, it's a little bit more complicated that with that, um, like some of the Swedish stuff, like Swedish teams in that league, they wanted guys to be there the whole year. Like it was a little, and so the question is, well, do you want him to play in the second league? And it's like, well, you don't know when the season's going to start, you don't know when training camp's going to start. Like it was, so it's, it's also that, but like, you can just see, like, he's more confident. Like he's, he's played in the league now. He'd played like, I think 29 games the year before. He's really a confident kid. Like he's not, he's not one of those, those people who's unsure of himself. Like, 
I mean, a good comparison is, is Timothy Logan, I think struggles a little bit more with that. His skill set is obviously different, but like, it's a little, he's not as like sure of himself as Sandin is. So Sandin comes in, thinks he's good, plays good. Um, I think he wanted an opportunity obviously earlier than this. I, I don't know that the, the way things were handled with, with Miko Letnin, I'm, I'm sure if they could do that over again, they probably do that over again. Um, what and just like not not sign Lennon or? Yeah, that's the question. Like, do you just not sign him? I don't know. What well, was because the, he's I mean, an there asset. Was, there was there wasn't really any point. I I think it's it's a different situation if the Marlies are going and you can. Although I guess yeah. Lennon probably wouldn't have played with the Marlies. Well, and 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 the other thing is like to that point, you would have had at least Sandine playing with the Marlies, and like the Marlies season was all screwed up, and then he gets hurt. It's just. It's been a really hard year. How do, you, how do you anticipate not having any injuries to the blue line the entire season? Like this Bogosian injury is the first one that they've had. I mean, like I, I, right. I think the Leafs were smart to come into the year with all these extra players around because, you know, what if you get like a Vancouver situation or a Buffalo situation? Like what if, you know, the, the Leafs have been really fortunate that they haven't had very many COVID absences. Like they just, they, yeah. they've, they've managed to weather that storm, but it could have been a different story. I mean, there have been teams that have been going, you know, 10, 11, 12 defensemen deep because of the way that this year has been with the condensed schedule and everything else that's going on. And that had, the Leafs have basically played the same six almost the entire season. Yeah, I, I just think they, they clearly decided coming to the year, we're going to give the extra opportunities to Lettinen and not to, to Sandine, who's their number one prospect. Like, I'm not sure looking back on it, like if that's the best thing for him, given the year that he had had and given how important he is to the team, I'm not sure like Lettinen's on an expiring contract. Like there, there are all these factors. Like they, you don't want to sign a guy like that and then not play him. And then future guys are going to look at you and be like, yeah, I'm not signing here. Like you're not going to even give me a chance. Well, it seems like that's going to happen for sure. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Well, given the way it's gone. Yeah. Um, So anyway, it's complicated. I don't think like this is all pandemic. Like it's not like they could have anticipated all these things happening and like the the AHL season being screwed up. Like I, I don't know that you can fault them so much. Like I, I still think it would have made sense to have him play in Sweden. I, I don't know that that decision um, ended up working out as as they might have hoped. But anyway, like he's he's different. Like I I can even see a situation, James. Like I think this is probably likely the way we're standing right now. When Bogosian comes back, that that it might not be Sandin who comes out. Like it's at this point, I would think it's Dermot just based on how Sandine can affect the game in ways that the Dermot can't. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see him play some more games. Was he played yes. play three games? I mean, I, but yeah, no, I agree with you. And it, Dermot's had a, had a solid year too. I mean, it, it gives yeah. you a lot of confidence. You know, I think in the expansion draft, they're going to lose, they're going to lose Travis Dermot. So uh, that would probably, that, that seems to be the most likely player that they take. So that opens a hole and, you know, there wasn't really a lot of question in my mind that Sandine would be in the top six next year. Uh, this, what he's done lately, kind of just cements that. Yeah. Well, and, and it's going to make the decision with Morgan Riley interesting, more interesting. And I know we, we I think we talked about that last week, but that's going to be really, really interesting. Is Sandine going to be ready to be in the top four after next season? I mean, I guess so. Probably. Conceivably. Well, and you're also, anyway, that's a sep- separate conversation. I want to talk before we get to the pod bag, James. Um, we, I think we touched on it briefly last week, but 
Um, John Tavares is just on like a heater and him and, and Neonder have really got it going. Like that is, we, we never doubted you, John Tavares. Well, I'm not going to say that that's just, the case for just me. Just don't go back and I, listen I to any of the did. podcasts where we doubted you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He looks different. Like he just, maybe it's confidence. Like maybe that's as simple as what it is. Like he Has just, he said, I mean, I haven't been on every availability the last couple of weeks. Has he said that? Has he given a reason for why he's he thinks not it's turned been, around? No, he's he's not. This is where I miss being. That. This is miss yeah. where I miss being in the dressing room, and you can just like you can just like yeah. put your recorder away and just like go talk to a guy for two minutes or five. Especially minutes John, or, like he is someone who will sit there for half an hour and just kind of yeah talk. Yeah, and sometimes it takes that long to get kind of yeah to, to just to like. It'd be interesting to know why he thinks he's playing so well and like why he thinks it, it really didn't go his way a lot of last year and for the first, you know, whatever it was, 10 or 12 games this year. Uh, it was more than that. I, I think James, well, like they... I was they, just looking statistically and like his his toughest stretch was early on this year. Maybe not playing games for so long hurt some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that may be part of it. I mean, I, I, I can't... I remember Sheldon Keith talking about at one point that they wanted to find ways to get Tavares more good looks around the net. And I think that was something that actually Tavares brought up as well. And you're seeing that. like, you're, And I think Galchenyuk sort of unlocked some of that. And then he's just kind of gone from there. Like he's, he looks dangerous again. Like you can, that's why I, I don't buy this, this shooting percentage, percentage argument. He wasn't dangerous at all. Like you'd you'd watch some games and like you'd barely notice him. Like he'd barely have any effect on the game. And now it's like him and Neilander are out there together, and it's like they're they look like a first line. Like well, this is kind of this is the idea. The problem with the shooting percentage argument is there was a bunch of other stuff that was in the yeah that has like not improved. getting as many shots or good looks. Yeah, or high scoring dangers, chances were low, and like he just wasn't generating as much as you, we've typically seen him when he's playing well. So it wasn't. Shooting percentage was was a piece of it, and there would have been fewer people kind of, I think, talking about it and nitpicking him if he had scored. I mean, his shooting percentage was down, at, I think it was at 9% or something. Like, it was almost half of what it should have been. So, if he had another four or five goals, I think that there would have been a less, I think, heat and attention on him, and there wouldn't be headlines and, you know, saying, is he is he washed up or whatever. But um, there there were other issues than just the shooting percentage, for sure. Well, and it, it makes a big deal come playoff time. Like, if they can have that line going and the Matthews Marner line going, like, it, it, that's the point. Like, that's why you sign John Tavares. Like, so would, would you say really that hard to defend? They're a juggernaut if they have those lines going. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, James, are you ready? Do you have your questions locked and loaded? No, I, the of course podcast? I'm not ready. They, they've been, I don't know, they've been coming in while we've been talking, but. You know, I've I've gotten so good at doing this on the fly that um, I'm just looking here. Ooh, twenty one thousand people have seen my call out for questions. That's a lot of people. We have a lot of questions, Jones. How are we going to pick which ones we're going to read? This is your domain, my friend. Oh, okay. Pids would like us to discuss the Leafs development staff. <clears throat> I always hear about Barb, Underhill, and the Leafs having a large staff, but how do they stack up against the rest of the league? Is it reasonable to have higher expectations for them developing prospects relative to other teams? Well, 
their staff is much, much bigger than other teams. Much, much, much bigger. You know, sometimes it gets talked about, you know, I've seen people tweet things like the Leafs have the best development staff in the NHL and you get other fan bases are like, oh, what do, you, what do you mean? And like, you don't know that or whatever. And it's like, well, if they're not the best, then some, they're doing something seriously wrong because don't the, like, I think the Leafs have like, <laughs> they have like four times as many development staff as a lot of teams do. Lots of teams have one or two people. Yeah. And that, and that's, I mean, this is part of like, this goes back to Tim Laiwiki and them deciding to start acting like a big team, like them deciding to act like the Yankees or whatever, flexing the muscles that they have outside the cap. And like, this is that, like all these different people that they have on the side. And like you and I see it at at practice and before practice, there is always something going on. And now like a lot of this has happened since Sheldon Keefe took over. Um, He places an emphasis on skill development in a way that, that Mike Babcock, I I never thought really bought into in terms of like working it into the day to day, but like they're always doing something around practice and around games. There are even like other teams, executives, coaches around the league. They're like, they got too many people, you know, like they, like they, you know, like they got too many different messengers and they got too many people on the ice. And like, there's a lot of, it's a bit non-traditional to have so many people on the ice telling players what, what they should be working on. And it looks a bit complicated and confusing what's going on on the ice. So some other teams are like, well, how the, how the hell are they making that work with all you know, it's, you know, the old, like, too many cooks kind of. Um, sure. Marvelous Mark, who is a frequent asker of questions, wants to know, could the Leafs send Frederick Anderson on a conditioning stint to the Marlies to get action without counting against the cap? I was told that conditioning stint will count against the cap. So the answer to that is no. Do you think that they should put, I mean, they why not just play him against a weaker team on one of their upcoming opponents, right? Like if he's going to count against the cap, then it doesn't really matter if it's with the Marlies or the Leafs, does it? You might as well play him mm, in an NHL game. No, but again, like how we don't know how that's going to work. Like how are they going to make it work under the cap? Like that's still an open question. Like you're the expert in that. Yeah, but this one is like, when stuff happens with LTIR that no one has ever seen before, like, like I'm talking to like cap guys with other teams that are like trying, but they're like, I don't know. So it's like, if, you know, if there are people making hundreds of thousands of dollars to make these decisions for NHL teams that aren't sure what's going on, then it's. But now James, can you do it for, is there not a situation where a guy who's been on LTI can be on loan? To yeah, the, yeah, the HL team? But, yeah, but it counts against the cap, though. Like, y- you stay... Even for an LTI? But you're not on LTI if you're on a conditioning. You're one or the other. Like, you're not you're not on injured reserve while you're conditioning. You come off injured reserve, you go on the conditioning loan, you play your games, you're, you come, you're on the roster. Like, you can't be... Teams would be doing that all the time if they could do that. Like, if you could be on long-term injured reserve and not count against the cap and play games in the AHL, I think that would be happening all the time. Hmm. Cap Friendly said that a conditioning loan, they can, I'm pretty sure it was Cap Friendly. I talked to lots of people for that story. I talked to like, I talked to way too many people for that story. And I got a lot of people saying, I don't know. Here's, here's a bigger riddle for you, Jonas. What happens with the cap with the season being extended? Because typically the NHL salary cap is... Uh, it's a daily calculation every day of the season from day one till the end of the season. 
But if you just tack on a whole bunch of days, what happens to the and only for some teams and only in one division? <laughs> like how how does their cap calculation change? How does that I don't know impact you know so like th- th- that's there's an, another unprecedented situation and I, I my guess I'm just guessing here is the Leafs decided you know what if we get in a situation where we have to dump someone like Engvall who's probably not going to play to start in the playoffs anyway then then we'll do that uh, and if we run into some more injuries Bogosian Hyman. Um, then we won't have to do that. And, you know, I think that they've got enough injuries here. I mean, unless you think Hyman's going to be back before the end of the season, um, they can probably... Well, based on their timeline, they they do. Well, that, again, that was a minimum though, right? Minimum yeah. two weeks. So, But even if it's three weeks, that's like that's like a game or two left. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Next question. All right, Daniel Fiorito wants to know, is there a historical correlation for a team's play leading into the playoffs having an effect on their performance? Do win streaks carry over? Can you peak too early? Uh, Do you play down a notch to conserve players for a long run at the end of a season? There has been a lot of statistical work done on this. Now, a lot of the studies that I've seen are going back a little ways to when the blogosphere was a little bit more active and there were a lot of smart people writing there. But I remember they looked at what the most predictive stats were of success in the playoffs and future success. And a lot of the times they liked looking at how a team played the 25 games before the the postseason started was more predictive than looking at the full season. So that's my answer is that how you play in the final 25 games leading into the playoffs is is slightly more predictive of how you're going to play in the playoffs. So uh, probably a good thing for the Leafs. I mean, the Leafs have... The Leafs' underlying numbers have consistently gotten better as the season has gone on. That's been hidden a little bit because of some of the goaltending issues that they've had. But things like expected goals and possession and that are have been, as uh, Larry David would say, pretty pretty good. They've been they've been pretty good. Um, what would you say? The last twenty games, twenty five games. So yeah. Well, and this was like a big focus of theirs. They didn't they didn't like that they kept going into the playoffs and like trying to change who they were they like that was literally something that they said like you got to stop this just trying to flip a switch and well remember it was always like february that they were just like sleepwalking through games and like i remember being on the road with them it's like jesus like this game doesn't mean anything and like they just like the players know it and they're just playing like they were always locked into that third spot in the atlantic division and they couldn't move up or down and it just seemed like the players didn't care which is like it's a damning thing to say but just, you know what I think it was? I remember talking to Zach Hyman about this. It's just like they didn't have – now, you can pick this apart, but it was like with the division, the division was kind of out of reach. And so there wasn't like this – and they were kind of locked into that spot because I think Tampa and Boston were so far ahead. Now, that's not an excuse, but I think like human instinct is like you're just going to be a little less whatever – and they're, they were a young team. Like, they had a lot of young players who were still kind of figuring out the league. I don't know. Uh, Connor Finley. Finlay? Finlay. Would like to know, uh, have you heard from any of the players on the ice conditions? Uh, not just for the Leafs, but around the division. I expect that with no concerts or Raptors, that this might be the best year for the ice. Uh, I think the ice at Scotiabank looks better this year. What do, what do you think, Jonas? I mean, I haven't seen... 
normally it's pretty shitty. Uh, normally it's normally it's tough, and they've they've you know I would think that they don't have those those boards and everything sitting on top of the ice all the time now, right? Like it's probably you've been around the rink a lot more than I have this year. It's probably just like an open ice service all the time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I got to be honest. I mean, the Raptors aren't playing there, obviously, so there's less of that, like having to transform the court like they usually do. Like you would be, you and I would be up in the press box, like writing our stories after the game. Yeah. And like they would be changing the court, like putting the Raptors court out there. Um, so they throw like these big black, like plywood boards on top of the ice and they pull down the the hockey boards and it's a big production. Like they spend hours doing it. We're, we're usually writing our stories until one in the morning in the press box and those people are there into the middle of the night doing that. And they do it over and over and over again. Like it must be like Groundhog Day for them doing that. Hopefully those people are doing all right. I mean, there's probably, there's, there's another example of people that lost their job with all this crap going on this year. Lucas would like to know, would you and Jonas keep Riley on power play one or let Sandine get a shot there until the season ends? Sandine looks really good on the power play uh, with limited time on the first unit on Saturday. Yes, he does. I've I've long liked Sandine on the power play. He's he's really crafty and he's unpredictable and uh, he's good at floating the pucks in from the point and and seeming to find uh, find a lane for the puck to get through. Uh, Riley has not had a very good year on the power play. Your thoughts? I don't hate the idea of like experimenting, trying things. Like I'm not against it. I mean, their power play has not been very good for a while. I think Riley is part of that i don't know that he's like i think it's a lot of things like a power play is so strange like when it's not working especially when the talent level on this particular power play like i'm not against it i I think i think clearly that's an advantage too of having sandine in the lineup is like even if he's not on the top power play he's going to be on the other power play unit and he's going to do more than either brody or muzzin are going to do like those guys just those guys just aren't the same players like he's like you said he's like dynamic and like he's twitchy and he he sees things like he's a good passer he's creative um but but really like they need to figure out their power play and it's been better of late which is like a really good sign like they had one in winnipeg which is which was like as good as i've seen their power play functioning in in months um that's a big deal like that if if their penalty kill is not going to be great and now how much of that is goaltending you can argue, um, but like you can't have both special teams units be bad, like and expect to win a cup. You just can't. Anthony Guzzo would like to know: Is there something Matthews could do to win the MVP? Like score ten more goals than the second highest score in the league, or is it McDavid with no discussion? McDavid had another monster game last night. I don't know if you were watching that. It was. I was trying to get my taxes done, and I had the game on, and it seemed like every time I looked up, he was. Like that, that hat trick goal he scored is just completely ridiculous. He's like looking behind him to see how far behind him everybody is while he scores the goal. It's unbelievable. McDavid now now has the best points per game in a season since Mario Lemieux in 2001, 20 years ago. Yeah, you and I have been discussing this. And I think we talked about it with Chris. It w- I think it's going to be really hard. Like, the numbers are just going to be too overwhelming. And, like, he is – I think it's really close. I think it's closer than people McDavid's having one make of it out to be. the great seasons in recent NHL history. That's, what, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Yes. 
I mean, the, I don't. Do you need to say anything more than that? I mean, like you know, Matthews is going to finish second, and he's had an amazing year. Yes. Well, I mean, like McDavid is. What I was going to say is like McDavid is the best player in the league. I don't think the gap between him and and Matthews is as large as some may think it is. Like I think it's it's pretty close. But he is the best player, and he's acting like the best player. I think. It's crazy. He only has one MVP. Like that's to me, that's an, a bit of an indictment on the voting people. Yeah, of of which we are we are not any longer. So it's complicated. They, they they took it away from us. Yeah, it's complicated. All right, we got a couple different questions from a couple different people. Brent Griffith wants to know where we're going to see Robertson again in the regular season. Uh, William McNeilander would like to know: Have we seen the last of Pierre Engvall? What do you think of those two? I don't think we've seen the end of Pierre Engvall, and I don't think we've seen the end of Nick Robertson. Like, I am in the camp of, I think Robertson's going to be important for them in the playoffs. It's possible he doesn't get a chance. I think they're going to need him at some point, whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because they need a little bit of a spark offensively. I just like him. Like, I, I, I think they'll go into the playoffs with their experienced guys, like Simmons and Thornton and whoever, and obviously Riley Nash, depending on you know, how he's able to come back. I think they'll need him. Engvall is more of an open question. I just don't think Sheldon Keefe really trusts Pierre Engvall. And I think when he has an option like Nash that he can use instead of him, he will. And obviously of late, Adam Brooks has even overtaken Pierre Engvall. So his prospects, I don't think are as good, but like injuries happen and they may need him. What do you think? Did, uh, did you know Riley Nash is from Kamloops? I'd heard that. Like, there's sources telling me that he is a BC guy. Uh, you don't get to talk up the people from your hood nearly as much as I do. No, I'm trying to think. That, uh, you know who's from Richmond Hill is, I think, Mike Camilleri's from Richmond Hill? Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Camilleri's a good oh, dude. Yeah, no. I'm surprised Paul Mike, McFarland. I'm surprised. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that didn't work out. That didn't. Uh, he came in as the chosen one to fix the power play, and it didn't last very long here. Well, the power play, you would you could argue, was better last year than it was this year. You can argue it was the best under Jim Hiller. Who was, it was the best under Jim Hiller. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, Jim Hiller, another BC guy. Do you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, he's from the- I don't have a BC registry. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I can tell you everyone in the league. Matt Barzell. That's a, he's a good Isn't he from Coquitlam? How do you say it? Coquitlam. 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 Definitely not a queet. There's no queet in it. <laughs> oh, there's a Q. <laughs> yeah, we definitely. All right, a couple more. What do we got here? Uh, what are you looking to see the last eight games going into the playoffs? Uh, are you most curious with Sandine Brooks-Robertson or see what happens with Anderson? I mean, I, there's a lot of intrigue here. I'm interested to see if these games against the Jets are kind of like a, a blip or if this is they're going to really kind of lean into this being their identity going into the playoffs. I'm interested. I'm interested to see how Jack Campbell plays. I'm going to be watching Sandine really closely. I'm going to be watching Foligno. Um, I think that's that's pretty much what I'm going to be watching. I think the biggest thing is the goaltending. Like that's – and obviously second would be their power play probably. But the goaltending is like the thing. If they're if they're, If they have – I mean – Jesus, like it was like last week that that Sheldon Keefe blasted the goaltending. Like as much as you'll ever see a coach blast the goaltending, um, that has to be. Yeah, you know what? I wonder if in hindsight he thought 
that was a bit of a mistake that he went too far with that because I'm sure like, listen, like you're speaking right after the game. You're really emotional. You're, I mean, if I was the coach, I would be really pissed off losing those couple games based on the way their goalies played, but yeah, it happens. But you got goalies that are beating themselves up that have, you know, that haven't been there. And I don't know. It just, it probably was a little bit, it was good. We gave us things to talk about. I think our podcast last week, that was the quote of the week, but it was, um, Probably not super productive. Um, you want to do some lightning round and go buzz through a bunch of these? We got lots of questions. Sure. Uh, what do you think about Adam Brooks? One 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 question says: uh, Is a fourth line center job should it be Adam Brooks? I know that not Sheldon in the playoffs. Like, I know Sheldon yeah, Keefe's a big fan of Adam Brooks. Like he, he's. I've a always guy. wondered if Sheldon Keefe sees like some of himself in Adam Brooks. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. He, he even like. You could see him looking a little bit like him. <laughs> yeah, and like I mean, Size. when Sheldon Keith got to the NHL, like that's kind of the player he had to become. Like he he was obviously a big scorer in junior, but like he had to change and kind of become like a checker. Um, I mean, next year maybe he's like the fourth line center, but like when Riley Nash is is healthy, he'll be in there. Like I think what's what's impressive to me about Brooks is like how much he's improved as, as a skater. Like that to me looked like was going to be the thing that kept him from playing in the NHL. But now like he, he's worked on that. And that goes back to the development staff. Like he, he's one of a number of guys who you look at and you're like, Jesus, like this guy has become a much better skater than he was when he got here. If the Leafs could pick their first round opponent, who would they pick and why? I'm going to say the New Jersey devils because they are terrible and they have lost 10 games in a row. That's who they would pick. I think they probably mean in this division. Well, come on. I think they would pick my beer league hockey team because we haven't played in since February of last year and we would be terrible. I think if they were picking, they would pick Edmonton. Yeah. Which is like, it it sounds nuts because you're going against the best player in the league. But I just think they... Well, Vancouver they I mean, match up pretty well. Still think Vancouver no, is but I'm talking about the teams that they, they like could legitimately play. Yeah. I guess they like... Vancouver's down to like a 6% chance, I think, of making the playoffs. Calgary's like 7% or something. Like it's probably, the Leafs are probably playing Montreal. Yeah, and Montreal is tough on them. Like Montreal plays them really well and, and they do a pretty decent job against Matthews. Like, well, as good as you can possibly do. They're going to, they're probably going to try and beat the shit out of them too, right? So it's interesting. You know, Montreal can technically still catch Winnipeg. Well, now Winnipeg has all these fires to put out. Yeah, and Montreal has a game in hand, and they're six points back. Do they play each other here down the stretch? Montreal plays Toronto a lot here to end the season. You know, I laughed the game last night, the the Calgary-Montreal game. Uh, Julian McKenzie, who's one of the, the new staffers at The Athletic, he tweeted something like, I'm glad I don't have to see Calgary play anymore this year. And I just... The the Flames under Sutter have played such boring games. And, you know, yes. Montreal has some of that in them too, but it was a 2-1 game. And it was just – I was watching mostly the Edmonton game, but the, the Montreal-Calgary game was deathly dull yesterday. And it's – Calgary's going to be boring to watch as long as Sutter is the coach there. Which will be for a while, it seems like. Another decade. He's back. I'm back, baby. Ah. Uh, this is a good one. I like this one. Leafs fan Eric wants to know, what are some goals or moments from this season you wish there was a live crowd for? Oh, my God. All of them. <laughs> it's not the same, is it? I mean, it's just like the... It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you, I mean, you've been at a lot of the games and you like, you go there and it's like, Jesus, like, this is just, it's one of the, there's been a lot of weird things this year, but it's one of the most like dystopian things is like going to an NHL game when there's like the huge arena and there's no one there. Like, it's just. Well, I had, James, I had on that Tampa Columbus game the other day and there were fans and I was just like, what the, this is weird. Like you hear cheering and like, it's just, it, it screws with your senses after the way the last year has been um and it doesn't look like obviously that there'll be fans in the building for playoffs although like what's going to happen it's going to be interesting like with home ice advantage what could become a thing in the places like once you get to the conference finals yep. right yep. like that could be an advantage if you're coming to toronto and there's no fans and then you go to wherever uh, i don't even know if they will be coming to toronto at this rate like we're right. you know with the yeah. the our you know, our caseload and everything is still so shitty that the Leafs are going to end up playing out of Buffalo and in, in, in an empty arena. Yeah. Maybe they sell tickets. I don't know. Maybe they let Americans in who want to watch the Saber, the the Leafs. I mean, there might. I wonder how many Leafs fans there are in in Western New York. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a weird year. Uh man, there's a lot of Morgan Riley questions. I feel like we talked about Morgan Riley a lot last week so i'm not i'm not morgan riley i feel like the the shit he takes is way over the top yeah i mean it hasn't been a great year for him people are just i think a lot of people are wondering because the contract like what's the extension gonna look like and you know it's funny it felt like morgan riley could do no wrong before this season it felt like he was a guy who took almost no criticism and then now he's become the guy that i don't know if that's do you think they're telling him to be aggressive offensively and then he's getting caught and then the idea was that Brody will be like kind of the fail safe behind him or like maybe there's a stylistic thing that, that he's being asked to do this year. That's I think it's another case of Jake Gardner stuff where all that he's been around a long time, obviously since like 2012. And now all you can see is the things he, the, the mistakes and the mistakes sometimes are glaring. And I think that that's, it, it makes you forget about all the other things he does really well and does better than a lot of guys. Like, I think it's interesting, like watching the reaction to Sandine. Um, Sandine's new, like he's a new thing. Like he's a new toy. He does all these things. And you're like, wow. And then eventually what happens is they become Morgan Riley and like that you just kind of get used to some of the things that they do really well. And you, you tend to um, like focus more on the things that, don't go as well and the mistakes that you see and like the mistakes that stand out and like, anyway, I, I think it's too much for me. Ruben wants to know, why don't the Leafs let Nylander be the carrier on the power play? It's clear. he. I've always wondered that. It's clear he's more effective than Marner. I've always wondered that. And I don't know why I've never asked that. You know what? It's, it's, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, an Oilers fan is asking, do you still believe Matthew should win the heart? I don't believe we have ever argued that he should win the heart. Have we? I mean, we've said, I think early in the year, I definitely wrote that, that he yeah. should be in the, the direct conversation. I haven't seen any predicted before the year. I haven't seen any Leafs. I haven't seen any Toronto media arguing for Matthews right now, to be honest. Like, I don't, I think that's, I get a lot of weird stuff out of Alberta on Twitter. I guess, guys, I don't know if you see that. I get like a lots of weird nonsense stuff. Um, look, 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 you got the best player in the world there. I mean, and I think everyone acknowledges that. I don't know why you have to be, people have to be petty about it. So just enjoy it. 
you know, and I hope the Oilers and the Leafs play, and it's a great series. I'm sure it will be. Those games are often quite entertaining. Agreed. All right, one more question, and let's sail off into the sunset. <laughs> should I give you like, should I give you some crazy difficult thing just to, let's see. Here, this one's funny. Cole Lewis asks, where do the current stars on the team rank among the all-time great Leafs? We always get these like big, impossible to answer questions. I like that question. Cole, I think Cole is from Matthews Cape Breton, is- Nova Scotia. Thank you for the question. I think Matthews and Marner are on trajectories to be top three, top five, whatever you want. Matthews is clearly it get, like it gets I don't know how you want to do this. He's the best player to ever play for the franchise. Like he's what he is right now is better than anything they've had. I don't think there's like it, it, to me that's it not gets hard, crazy. Jonas, because the team's been around for hundred and three years and like obviously we didn't see them play in the fifties and my mom did. My mom did see them play. Um but we don't like uh, we how are you going to measure like Keon and Mahovlich and Bauer against you, you could go back even further right like go go back to you know they it's just it's just the way that he there there weren't players like this like it's it's the evolution of humanity isn't it like yeah but then if look at I mean, him, if like, you there's nobody that, like then, him. then Matthews is better than Mario Lemieux right like you know like then like if you like, I mean, for their era, it's very difficult to rate the best players. But even, you know, even that considered, like, you look at how few major trophies, you know, I think even, you know, people who were around back then can correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the sense that the Leafs that won the Cups in the 60s, they were more, it wasn't like one individual player carrying them. They were like, they were deep teams that had a lot of good players, a lot of veteran players, and they had a number of people play well. They didn't, they didn't really have like a, they didn't have like the best. How many teams were in the league? Like there weren't that many teams. But, but did they have the very best player in the league? If they did, it was, it wasn't, you know, they like, they're not very many Art Rosses or Maurice Richards or any of those things that the Leafs have had, even with the, the Stanley cups that the franchise has won. So, it's it's very interesting, you know. Like Matthews can get to the all time goals mark by the time he's twenty seven years old, like that. That's pretty telling. And all he needs to do is is sign another contract, and he's going to be all over the franchise record book. Yeah. Uh, Guido wants a Martin Marincin update. You got anything there? He's around. He's there. He's doing Marincin things. Uh, he's pushed down on the depth chart now. All right. SDP fan says, "Can we kiss?" <laughs> oh my god all right you're running out of runway here well i'm just going down the depth chart for the best questions maybe that one should have been higher on the list the the answer Great is question. the answer is no we're both taken but uh we appre- we appreciate the inquiry okay i'm done <laughs> okay oh, oh it says some additional replies including those that may contain offensive content have been hidden <laughs> all right well james <laughs> So this week the Leafs have a back-to-back with Montreal and Vancouver, and then I believe that there's a Saturday game. The question wasn't offensive. It was about Bogosian and what pairing he's going to be on or something. So I don't know what. Maybe they thought that was a swear word. Um, (laughs) And then there's another game against Vancouver on Saturday, I believe. Um, The season's almost done. Like this is we're getting to the nitty gritty. So that's going to be fun. We got playoffs to look forward to. Nitty gritty, just like the Leafs, right? Yeah, gritty Leafs, gritty. 
All right. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you're you're keeping well. James and I are hanging in just like everyone else, doing our best. James, any any parting thoughts? Everyone, just remember, Jonas would rather this job over anything in the entire world. So your continued support of The Athletic is, is much appreciated. You're letting Jonas live his dream. Theathletic.com slash leaf report. If you're not signed up, thank you for listening. 